I mean, the way I like to think of it is, you know, we've been doing this since we're 10 years old. We got into it because we were having a great time and right. having fun. There's no reason to get your wits all about and say you're going to do it for money or for the glory or for the results, whatever. Like, that doesn't work. Yeah. You need 100% passion, love, and respect for what you're doing. That's my next guest, professional skier and Aspen native, Alex Ferreira. If there's ever a time to peak in an athlete's career, it's right before the Olympics. And that is exactly what Alex has been doing on the contest circuit over the past year. He's won two World Cups and the Dutour Olympic qualifier, and then he's just come off of two second place finishes in two other Olympic qualifying events in Snowmass and Mammoth. With those results, he easily qualified into his very first Olympic team with another Aspen native, his best friend and teammate, Torin Yader Wallace. Alex is only 23 years old, and in our talk, he quotes Theodore Roosevelt and Warren Buffett. He also talks about a really important concept that most of us need reminding of, that sometimes when we've been grinding away on perfecting our craft, what can be the most beneficial to growth and acceleration is not more discipline, but actually taking a step away in order to explore, be spontaneous, and reconnect to the source passion that fueled us in the first place. Hi everyone, I'm Olympic snowboarder Gretchen Blyler. Welcome to my new podcast, The Art of Living Extraordinarily, where I dive deep into the stories of those who have had the courage to blaze their own trails. We learn the deeper motives that drive these individuals, how they face fears, the challenges and obstacles that they've faced, how they get through them, and the biggest lessons that they've learned along the way to living their dreams. Before we get started, I wanna give a shout out to our sponsor, Alex Supply Co. Alex Supply Co, full disclosure, is a company I started with my husband a few years ago. And the main reason we started it is because using healthy and sustainable products is definitely one of those small, everyday actions that add up to an extraordinary life. It's the reason you'll always see me walking around with my reusable water bottle. But the problem is that every single reusable bottle out there is impossible to clean. Eventually they fill up with bacteria, they start to stink, it's gross. So with Alex, we've fixed that problem by creating the first ever stainless steel water bottle that opens in the middle so you can actually clean it. I mean, it makes total sense, right? A bottle you can actually clean? It's perfect for water, but it's actually incredible for smoothies and other drinks that you can't clean out of other bottles. And because it opens in the middle, it saved me on so many camping trips by becoming two cups so I can share with a friend or even an impromptu cocktail shaker. The list goes on and on. The name stands for Always Live Extraordinarily, an inspiration and also a hydration partner, all while pursuing your dreams. We just released a couple other awesome products too, so right now you can go and get 20% off with code GRETCHEN, G-R-E-T-C-H-E-N. Head over to alexbottle.com and use code GRETCHEN for 20% off. Okay, now on to Alex Ferreira and his extraordinary story. Enjoy. Alex, thanks for coming on the new podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm stoked to be here. <laughs> so um, I want to just start off with, I mean, you just qualified for your first Olympic team. Um, four years ago, you almost made the team. I think you were like fifth, right? Yep, you were yep. just that last person out. Um, 
you you know you've literally just been announced to the team only a few days ago how how are you feeling right now or are you already sick of answering that question <laughs> no not at all um i feel like a million dollars i can't believe it uh mammoth was just the most crazy experience just to be named to the team i will never forget that for the rest of my life and um coming back here I'm just happy to be back in Aspen. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think it's even really set in yet. I still can't believe yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> that makes sense. I remember that feeling of like being so excited, but also feeling like, yeah, it, pro- it probably hasn't set in yet. Yeah, I was just like, wait, I actually am going? or <laughs> Right, right, exactly. Um, I mean, let's go back to, to four years ago and you just barely missing the team. Um was it a reality for you to potentially be going four years ago or did you just sort of fall into just make just missing the team how was that yeah four years ago it was definitely really different because I was just coming on in the scene and I was just starting to do well at like bigger high level events and um I got second at one of the qualifiers and that was the second to last one and I was like whoa that's when it really hit me I was like I can actually do this like I could possibly make this thing if I just keep going and then it turns out the next night I got fourth and it was very close it was all extremely close and the coach called me a week a week later saying you know you're the fifth guy like if anyone god forbid anybody gets hurt but if right. anything happens we're gonna fly you out of here but everyone did well everyone stayed healthy which was amazing to watch and um I learned a lot from that you know I was definitely hurt mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally, and um, I don't know. I just thought this time around, what better time than now is what I kept telling myself because there really is no better time. Just go out and take what you want and have a good time doing it. So That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I know you've been through you've been through a lot. Like you've you've had some great results the past few years. Um, but it seems like, you know, you have been through your ups and you've been through your your downs. I heard, um, or I didn't hear, I read it in the newspaper last winter you broke your ankle. I I didn't break it. Sprained I sprained it horribly bad. Like, yeah. it sounds like weird saying you sprained your ankle, but I no. couldn't walk. <laughs> yeah. Those are the worst. It was ankles, so bad. And they, it takes forever to heal. I was just sitting on the couch waiting for this to end. Like, yeah. Just icing every 20 minutes on 20 minutes off just please please get better please get better yeah takes forever um and in the paper it mentioned something about you just being sort of in a burned out place potentially and going to europe and sort of getting a a reinvigoration can you kind of talk about that yeah it was um it was a crazy time in my life because i got hurt really badly and i had to pull out of x games the biggest event of the year and that really hurt me a lot because i want to show the home crowd what I got. Mm-hmm. And then um, right after that was the another very important event. It was the first Olympic qualifier. Mm-hmm. And I could barely ski and I gave it my all, but I just didn't make finals and I fell and I hurt my ankle more. <laughs> so then I just hung out and chilled. And then it was before the last event of the season in Teen France, there were two events left. And if I thought if I did well at Teen, then they would take me to world championships. Mm-hmm. And I ended up winning Teen, my first ever contest win on a platinum level. So I like, I lost it. I was so happy. Yeah. I just was elated for so many months. And they ended up not bringing me to the 
world championships, which hurt a lot as well because, you know, I feel like I finally proved myself. Right. And I don't get named to the team. Like, right. come what's on, that? I'm here. Like, yeah. what's going on? I'm yeah. ready to compete. Just won. Yeah. And uh, so that hurt a lot. And then after that, my one of my really good friends, Broby Leeds, called me and he was like, let's, uh, let's go to Europe. Let's just go on a ski trip. Let's just keep going and we'll, you know, no plans. We'll just have a good time. And our original plan was to stay in France for three weeks. We stayed in France for a month or, uh, sorry, just one week. And then Austria, two weeks. We met people along the way and we went all over the place. Sweden, Switzerland, France. It was amazing. I'll never take it back. And it definitely reinvented myself in skiing and just made me find the love again, I guess. What was it about that trip, do you think, helped you find the love again? I think because we were just on our own program. There was no, like, strict, we're going here, and then we're going here, and we got training at this time. It was kind of just, like, hopefully we meet somebody and we stay on their couch. Like, right. <laughs> we really need to meet someone tonight. You're your pants. <laughs> exactly. Like, like uh, we just went for it. Yeah. And I think just the freedom and the real skiing, we were just skiing all the time and it was purely for us and purely just to have a good time. You weren't training. No, we weren't training. We were just doing some like filming events and just really having fun. Yeah. Just living it up. Well, like on the opposite side of that, I feel like when people feel like they need to go have experiences like that, that's also because they've been very disciplined and they've been very straight and narrow. So you know, what was, what is your life in terms of that, that side of things? Like, what does it look like for you, you know, training and working out and video review? I mean, those are the things that have probably gotten you to where you are today, but you, you oftentimes need the balance of those two things, right? Absolutely. It's a great point to bring up. And you probably know that from being an athlete, like it's so go, go, go all the time. And everyone is like, for example, like when I'm not skiing, my off-hill routine is go to the gym five days a week. Mm-hmm. Go to sports psychology twice a week. Go to PT three times a week. Go to the steam room five days a week. Wow. Visualize five days a week. Like, it's actually a lot. Super regimented. <laughs> yeah, super regimented. That's just how I like to live my life. I yeah. like to have balance. I like to have structure. And it just helps me. You know, whatever works for everybody. But yeah. That, that, that works, works for yeah. me. So, yeah, I was doing that a lot. And I was just in the gym so much. And, you know, you're going to training every single day. And then once the season starts, you're pretty much on the road at every contest doing qualifiers. The, the way it goes is two practices, qualifiers, day off, finals. So mm-hmm. it's like five days, or that's like the five-day regiment, mm-hmm. and then you do that for like four weeks in a row. Right. And then by the end of that, you're like, oh my god, I haven't like skied. Right. <laughs> I've right. just been skiing half bite, which is yeah. great too. Like that's a part of it, you know? Right. And I'm not saying I don't love it like I do, but that other balance. Yeah. So you just important. need to just let it go. Shed your skin and just go and just ski sometimes. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> um, so how did all of this begin for you? You grew up in Aspen, Colorado. Um, this is a pretty crazy town to grow up in. <laughs> <laughs> We've got crazy role models here, right? To like look up to it's and crazy. see what's possible. Um, but kind of take us through your journey of how you even got to this place you know, becoming a pro skier and, yeah. um, did you always want to be an Olympian or is this something that sort of like happened over time? 
Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, I guess I'll start with growing up in Aspen. It's the most beautiful place in the world, and I will never leave this place. I love it so much. I love the community. I love the people. I love the mountains. I love the skiing. I love it all. Like, I could not give more love up to Aspen. It's a beautiful place. And uh, to grow up here is just the luckiest thing in the world. And, um, yeah, I guess how it all started was my mom signed me up for Aspen Valley Ski Club, and, like, I hated skiing when I was younger. Oh, you did? Yeah, I was not into it. They were all just, like, forcing me to go all the no time. No way. And then one day, she signs me up for Aspen Valley Ski Club. I'm sure I was angry. Right. <laughs> but I went, and I ended up having a great time. Wait, isn't that so funny? Like, I, I mean, I, f I remember feeling the same way my mom would make me go do, like, all of these sports, and I hated it. Like, <laughs> every time I was driving there, I was like, I don't want to do this. And it ends up being... Like, the greatest gift in the world. No, I look back, I'm like, thank you. Thank you. Just thank you. Yeah. I was just being a mean teenager right. or whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's crazy, yeah. It's pretty much like all your parents make you do, they're doing it for I the right know. reasons. It, yeah. Just being a spoiled little kid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so she signed you up for AVSC. Yeah, so she signed me up, and I had a great time. And then one day, randomly, none of the other guys were competing in this little aerials contest, and my mom signed me up. At first, I was mad. I was like, right. I can't believe you did this. All my friends aren't doing this. Like, what What am I doing? Like, I didn't even know. Sure enough, I did the contest. I landed. I did fine. And, like, it was right above my house. It was just the base of Highlands. And then I skied home. And I realized right. that all the other guys had come to watch the contest. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, how funny. So they watched it. They're like, wait, you're in it? And I'm like, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> it was, like, totally out of the blue. And, um, so how did you do in that contest? I honestly don't even remember. Okay. I, it was kind of just like... But did you... You liked it? Yeah, I had yeah. fun. Yeah. I had fun. They came to watch, and then from then on, they were in all the other contests. Right, because they then, saw you doing it. Yeah, it was totally by accident, too. Yeah. Like, it was amazing how it all worked out. And then we all just started entering in all the mogul contests, and they had little aerial contests. And then I remember... We were working with uh, Eric Knight, Ilana Chase, Mita Morimoto, Lynn Miriam, all those people from Aspen Valley Ski Club. And Torn was like, you know, I'm going to stop skiing moguls. It was pretty, pretty uh, mature decision for a young kid. Like, I think we were 12 or 13 years old. Okay. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to ski park and pipe. And he was amazing at the time. And I was like, yeah, that, that sounds pretty good. And one day he called me. I think we were 13 years old. I may have been 14. And he's like... Let's go to Buttermilk. My mom's got a camera. Let's just go film. I was like, all right, that sounds good. Like, why not? So I took the bus over to Buttermilk, get over there. And, um, you know, he's doing 540s and 900s. He'd been doing it for a while. And I did a couple of 540s just hiking the pipe. And next thing I know, he's like, yeah, I think you should try a Cork 900. And I was like, whoa, I've never done, like, anything. Couldn't even right. conceive it in my right. mind. He's like, yeah, just, just throw down and, like, you'll be all right. Hiked up there. Just basically closed my eyes and threw my arms back and landed. Wow. It was amazing. Like, so best moment of my entire life. you went from doing a 540 life. straight to doing a 900. Yeah, like... Like, and just tried it and landed. It was landed such it. a just go for it, okay type of deal. And yeah. we were just... It was sunny, nice day. Mom had the camera. We were just having fun. Right. And the next thing you know, I do a cork 900. I was like, that was the best feeling of my life. I'm gone. Like, That's I'm awesome. 100% skiing half pipe from now on. Like, that was so fun. And then... We just continued to grow up and ski slope style and half pipe and. And so, did you do that through the through the team through AVSC? Yeah, yeah, okay. the whole time through Aspen Valley Ski Club, and then at one point, Ilana Chase left Aspen Valley Ski Club and she went to Vail. Okay. The SSA and um, 
I had one year where I was still on Aspen Basky Club, but I was like trying to still work with Ilana because she's been my coach since I was 10 years old. So I had to make that work no matter what. Mm -hmm. So now it ended up all working out. I uh, kind of spent a lot of time in Vail just skiing and competing and training with her and then all my time, the rest of my time in Aspen. Okay. And now it's like full-time Aspen and now she comes over to train me here and it's great. So did you always love competing? Yeah, competing's a weird feeling. Yeah. Because I, as sure as you know, it's like I love competing against people. I'm probably the most competitive person I know, and that's like talking in ping pong terms. I play ping pong all the time. Yeah. And I awesome. hate losing. <laughs> I hate it more than losing and skiing. And um, but competing's weird because you're competing against your best friends at the same point. Right. You know, like no one's up there like, oh, I don't want to see them do well. You know, before Torn goes, I shake his hand I'm like, good luck. Like I love you. And the same thing for Aaron Blanc and Lyman Courier and Broby Leeds, everybody. Like, that's It's a pretty interesting feeling when you're trying to win but also competing against your best friends. Yeah. And you, Talk about that because I think that's what's really unique about what you guys are doing what's in snowboarding too. I think it's what is unique um, within the Olympics. Yeah. And because I don't think most other athletes and other sports really feel that way. Um, and they, in the media, they're always asking, like, is this just an act? Like, <laughs> or are you really friends? Because it seems like it can't be true that you're you guys are really friends and then constantly compete against one another. I mean, how, how does that work for you? Like you said, I mean, you've grown up with Torin. Absolutely. Now you guys are going to be on the exact same Olympic team together representing the U.S., but there's only like three spots in the podium. Yeah. I mean, it's skiing and snowboarding is such an esoteric sport. So just being able to be around everybody all the time, you're immediately friends with them. And mm -hmm. that's fun. It's a great thing. Like to be able to walk in the opening ceremonies or just even into the contest with my best friends, Torn and Aaron, it's like... You know, it's all good. It's yeah. so much fun. I can't believe we're even here. We just need to appreciate the moment. Like, yeah. I'm always trying to win the contest. That is for sure. I'll right. That doesn't change, right? No, yeah. I will never give up. I always give it 150, 100, 200%. But when you are with your buddies, it is just like that much more enjoyable. Mm -hmm. It's like, wow. We're here wherever we are. You know, we're competing in France. We're competing in South Korea. We're competing at Aspen. We're all together all the time. Mm -hmm. And that's so cool. We've traveled the whole world together. Right. It's amazing. Like, it's like your family. It becomes yeah. your traveling family. Yeah, like when you're alone and on the road, because it does get super lonely on the road, you're just like, you know, it's not that bad because I got my best friends with me. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. I, I wouldn't trade it for the world. <laughs> um, what would you say fuels you more? Um, failure, like the failures you've had, yeah. or the successes? Or it doesn't have to be an either, or it can be both, but... I would say it was both, being fueled by both. You know, Jeremy Bloom just wrote this book, Fueled by Failure, mm -hmm. and I read the first 50 pages, like, this is amazing. Like, yeah. It's so true. Like, you learn so much from failure. It is unbelievable. It's like Torin was speaking about in his uh, new documentary, Back to Life. He said he's definitely learned more from the failures in his life than the successes. And I think that's true, because when you fail... You look deep within yourself and you have to figure out what's wrong, like what's going on and what you need to fix. And when you can do that, you have the clear vision and you can just go get out whatever you want to do. Like mm -hmm. it's, it's just a, it's a sport mentality. You just want to do 
You want to do well. Mm-hmm. You never want to do poor. And then I think you can also be fueled by success. For me, it's like when you're on a high, ride the high. Mm-hmm. Don't don't discount anything. Just keep being so happy and keep giving off the most positive vibes and just keep telling everybody they're doing great and you're doing great. And that I think is like, oh man, it's an unbeatable feeling. It's so good. You're just so happy all the time. Where do you think that comes from? I mean, that, because it is a momentum, right? Like yeah. you've had tremendous momentum this year. You've you won New Zealand, you yeah. won the Dew Tour, you've had two second places now. Like where does that, is it something that clicks for you? Or, and, and then you're just, now it's just maintaining that, you know? Or how, what, what does it feel like for you? I think it's something that has clicked. I yeah. think it is, um, you know, this these past five months before all this Olympic talk and everything, I was working so hard. Mm-hmm. And it's like Theodore Roosevelt says, it's uh, victory lies within preparation. Mm. And it clicks when you're prepared. Yeah. So I, what I've been telling myself at the top of the half pipe and just between runs and skiing, just wait a second, don't get all freaked out. You've been preparing for this. You know exactly what you're doing. Mm. This is what you've been doing for the past... Well, 10 years, yeah. but like really focused on for the past year, like there's nothing to worry about. Just go do you and have fun. Mm. I think is where what clicks and just, yeah. So the preparation allows you to relax. Exactly. That's where I like to fit in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. That's, that sounds like good advice right there. (laughs) We got to, I talked to Kelly, um, Clark, and that was a big theme of what we talked about as well. Preparation. Yeah. And she's the best at it. I mean, you look back at her career and her results, five Olympics, like that is just unparalleled. She's been on almost every single podium in between the Olympics Mm -hmm. too. Like she truly is an unbelievable athlete. And I know she prepares in the off season beforehand. Like she's, she's unreal. Yeah. Super disciplined. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned Jeremy Bloom great guy. Um, so I, I heard a story, <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong, um, but that Yarka, who's involved in Pac, Pac is one of your sponsors, right? Yep. Um, that you guys were talking and he was telling you like what you need to do, like what separates you from like the guys who are at the top is not much. Like you put in your work, you have the natural talent, you know, you just haven't gotten those first place yet, or you haven't gotten those results yet. So go and talk to all of the Colorado Olympians and figure out how they did it. Yeah. Is that what he told you, basically? That's pretty much what happened. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so then you go and you get to meet with Jeremy Bloom, right? So yeah, I came like, back. Tell the story. Let's yeah, hear okay. This. So I walk into Yarka's office and we're having a debrief about like what I can do and what I can do better about myself and just how I can be more part of the community and, you know, really excel in my skiing. Because he's right. I was right there. I just... There was something, it just hadn't clicked yet. Right. But it was so close. So close. I, or maybe it did already click because I won New Zealand and I won teen. So oh, I don't know. I didn't know when he had this talk. Yeah, no, so, so was... I won teen and then I won New Zealand and then we had the talk. Oh, so it wasn't long ago. No, it wasn't long okay. ago at all. I was imagining like a couple of years ago. Or no, something. and okay. then he's like, listen, look at Jeremy Bloom. And I really hadn't looked into Jeremy Bloom's career yet. So I looked him up. Unbelievable athlete. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable human. Can't even, I'm, I'm blown away. Yeah. So randomly after the contest at New Zealand, he commented on one of my pictures on Instagram, mm-hmm. just like, nice work. And I'd never met him before. Cool. So I just hit him up. I was like, hey, do you want to meet up at some point? He was like, yeah, come down to Boulder. 
So I drove down to Boulder as soon as I got back to, from uh, New Zealand. Yeah, so we ended up just getting kind of close, and he told me about his Olympic experience and just about, really, his life, and we just kind of became friends out of it, and he gave me a lot of good advice. He was just like, when you, if you do go to the Olympics, turn your phone off, just do you, like, be yourself, for first and foremost, and I was like, yeah, that is good advice. He's like, turn your phone off. Yeah. Are you going to do that? Yeah, I think I'm going to. I think I'm just going to turn it off and enjoy the full-blown experience. I think it's a great idea. Yeah, like I just want to be there. I just want to meet other athletes and, mm -hmm. I don't know, fully immerse myself. Yeah. Just check it out. So I think I'm definitely going to listen to this piece of advice on that. And um, yeah, he just gave me a lot of great advice and he's just such a nice guy. I couldn't believe it. And now we're friends out of it, so it's pretty cool. That's awesome. Yeah. That sounds good. <laughs> yeah, he's a great guy. <laughs> um... Nerves. Oh. How do you deal with them? It's kind of like the preparation that we talked about before. Mm -hmm. It's like victory lies within preparation. So whenever I'm super nervous, especially for a night event, you have to wait around all day and then you go. It's like the hardest part of the day is controlling your nerves. Mm -hmm. It's not even about the competition. It's just like... The anticipation. Yeah, the anticipation, the anxiety. Mm -hmm. So for me, I just keep telling myself I know what I'm doing. I've been doing this for so long. Just keep having fun. Keep right. doing exactly what you're supposed to do. Yeah. And that's really all you can do. I mean, maybe other people do it differently, but for me, it's just a logical response. Just do whatever you can do in your power. If you mm -hmm. can't do anything about it, move on. If you mm -hmm. can, do everything. Yeah. So. <laughs> Are there things that, because um, you're going to have some time before you guys compete at yeah. the Olympics, so there's going to be a buildup of anticipa anticipation. Do you have any like plans for ways to distract yourself? I mean, <laughs> I remember the first time I tried to qualify for my an Olympic team back in 2002, um, the, the night before our last Olympic qualifier... The whole team, the whole U.S. snowboard team, we were so we were all so nervous and stressed, and we just decided we're gonna watch a funny movie. And we all sat down. We watched a really funny movie together. It was like Corky Romano or something. <laughs> like it's not that funny, but I remember laughing so hard. Like it was such a release of tension and pressure, and it was just it was so nice just to laugh. It's the best feeling in the world when right. you can just relax and not think about what's going on. Yeah. Do you think your teammates help, like it helps to actually be friends with your competitors when it comes to that? Like, can you guys, I don't know, for me, I'll never forget that experience of hanging out with, you know, the guys and the girls, but these are girls who are literally would be competing against the next day yeah. for the final Olympic spot. Yeah. But it was also them who helped calm calm my nerves oh it's so nice you know i just call aaron and torn what are you guys doing right they're just messing around at the house playing nintendo 64 or xbox we just go over there and we chill yeah it's like that makes it so much better because mm -hmm. you definitely know you're not alone then yeah and uh other people are going through the exact same thing you're feeling yeah and that is a really comforting feeling when you're just not alone like mm -hmm. no matter how you want to splice it i don't like that <laughs> yeah yeah but it's like you said you know you're you're around your best friends before your competition and it doesn't freak you out. It makes you feel better, mm -hmm. which is cool. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, how do you, I mean, you're throwing some really technical tricks these days. You've got lots of doubles in your run and um, 
how do you know your limits? Like when you're learning new tricks and when you're pushing yourself, um, how do you know when to push, but how not to push too far so that you're, you know, potentially get, getting into, you know, injury or fear or fear which leads to injury? Yeah. No, that's a great question. The best thing you can do, I think, is not to ski harder, it's ski smarter. Because mm. a perfect example, we're in Mammoth last week, and um, they did a great job getting the event up. Mammoth did awesome. Like, the weather was fine. But uh, we had some pretty tough conditions in the halfpipe that night. And I didn't do the run I wanted to do. Usually I do a run with four doubles. And tonight, I was like, you know, it's just, it's not safe. Yeah. Just don't do the absolute most. Just do what you have to do. Right. So we took two other doubles out, my coach and I, and we just left two doubles in. And we made it safe. And it all worked out. Like, I ended up second. Right. So I think that is the most major key. It's not to ski harder than anybody. It's to ski smarter than everybody. Mm -hmm. You just have to be strategically there. Mm-hmm. And, um, and how, where, where does that come from? I think that mostly comes from Ilana, for sure. Like, she's definitely thinking, we're both thinking it, mm -hmm. and then I'll bring it up to her. She usually doesn't bring it up to me. Okay. Yeah, and then we just work through it through there. But, yeah. Um, I, yeah, I think it's, uh, I think sometimes, you know, it's like the little, the little chart. Can you do something about it? If there's a problem, can you do something about it? Mm. Yes. Okay. Do as much as you can about it. Figure it out. No. Okay. Move on. Mm -hmm. It's like... Pipe wasn't or, that great. No, move on to next, like plan B. Yeah, exactly. Or plan C, or yeah, like don't get hung up on a negative thing. Just mm -hmm. oh, it didn't work out. Fuck it, keep going. Right. Sorry, excuse my language. No, you you can swear <laughs> on this thing. All right, cool. Yeah, but uh, I think you just gotta do whatever works for you. Mm -hmm. Like people are always so worried about what other people are doing. Like, right. Just do whatever works for you. Yeah. Like, nothing else works the same for everybody. Mm -hmm. So just do, be yourself and like do you. Well, on that note, um, I think it's, that's a huge message of this podcast is um, highlighting people who've had the courage to follow their hearts and be themselves and sort of blaze their own trail. But there are a lot of people out there who sometimes ask like, what does that even mean? Like, what does that even look like? It's the hardest thing to understand. Like when I was trying to figure out, I was reading a bunch of books and they were all saying like, yeah, you just gotta do whatever feels right. That's hard to say. Yeah. And it's hard for me to say it into the microphone, but now that I'm like feeling it and realizing it, yeah. it's way easier. It's I, a feeling. It's a feeling. Yeah. It's totally a feeling. And you're just like, oh, I can make that happen. Like, why don't I just make that happen? Just right. do it. <laughs> it's kind of like Nike's logo. Just do it. Right. And do you, have you found the more you respond to that, the more you are in alignment with that feeling or do you know what I'm saying? It's sort yeah. of like this thing where you keep following it and it gets stronger and you get more attuned to it. Absolutely. Like I believe in the universe. If you do well in the universe, if you warrant goodwill, then goodwill will come back your way in positivity. So like once you realize one little good thing, it just keeps happening. It's like mm -hmm. a domino effect. And then you realize you're just, you don't even know what you did. Yeah. But you just know that you're a good person at the end of the day. You're willing to help out in any way that you can. And uh, opportunities just keep opening up, I guess. And 
talk about in, in that same vein too, there is, it seems, an element of getting outside of your comfort zone yeah. in this process, right? <laughs> like, you obviously are doing that. I mean, competing, I know, is fun and awesome and all that, but it can also be like torture, right? Like, <laughs> total torture. <laughs> so talk about this idea of like being uncomfortable and what has that meant in your life? Yeah, it's, um, it is a very well-known feeling while competing. Yes. I think for a lot of competitors, you know, before Dutour, I literally felt like I was going to die. Right. I like, couldn't eat, couldn't sleep, um, wake all night freaking out about the next morning. And I was just like, I'm going to keel over and die. And then next thing you know, I win the contest and I'm like, oh my God, I feel like I could uh, break through a wall. Right, right. <laughs> There's so many different emotions uh -huh. and it's such a whirlwind. It's hard to retain all the information that you're going through and learning in that short amount of time. It's usually like two hours, but, um, oh God, it's... Do you think you felt that way before the do tour because you knew what you were capable of? I think so. I think it was my soul just like telling like, me you're you ready. You could win. I think so. I yeah. think that's why I was freaking out so much and... It's an uncomfortable place to be. That is, oh man. People I think don't that's a really good point right there. I because this is how I felt so often too, is when I'm really ready to like step into something bigger than I've ever stepped into before. That's also when the biggest nerves come. So it's not necessarily a negative thing, but it's it's just how do you remain calm and stay on course to the path that you have been following so you don't let that get in your way. It's exactly what you said. I couldn't have put it better. It's like getting to your absolute most, most focused zone. Mm -hmm. And you're just like, I can defeat this. Can I or can I not? Right. And you usually can as long as you set your mind to it and just do you. Well, and, and that seems to be a really good message because um, that when you just say, I'm going to do me, there's no expectations there, right? Like all you can do is the best that you can do and no, nothing more, nothing less. And if you do the best you can, that's all you can hope for, right? <laughs> it can be pretty simple, but when you're in the heat of it, it just feels oh, like, ah. Oh. When you're in the heat of it, it's like, it's like a, it's a different drug. Yeah. It's like you're on a drug and you're like, your mind's trying to play tricks on you. It's whether you can outwit your mind, I guess. Mm -hmm. And um, Right, rise above yeah. to something bigger. Is there, is there something... It seems like it's just do you and have fun, right? Is yeah. that like the mantra that helps sort of reconnect you to... Because to me it seems when we get stuck on focusing on the end result or on winning... That's oftentimes when we start going down this fearful path. Yeah. But if we can just focus back on something bigger, which would be having fun. and Yeah. I mean, the way I like to think of it is, you know, we've been doing this since we're 10 years old. We got into it because we were having a great time and right. having fun. There's no reason to get your wits all about and say you're going to do it for money or for the glory or for the results, whatever. Like, that doesn't work. Yeah. You need 100% passion, love, and respect for what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And that, I think, is where the success rolls in. Like, It's like Warren Buffett says. It's, you know, invest in what you believe in. Mm -hmm. Don't just 
if you don't like want to be doing this, you're not going to do well. Right. And don't force yourself because you 100% will not do well. Like, mm-hmm. Of course, there's things that you do that you don't love, but that you... There's things about what you love that you don't like to do. Right. But um, you still do it because you see the overall picture the and the beauty picture. of it and the love. And right. I think it all comes down to the true passion of what you're doing. Love. Yeah. What is your definition of success? <laughs> this is a good question. <laughs> I was watching, uh, I just read Tools of Titans by Tim Ferriss. Mm. And he does a podcast as well. And he asks, yeah. what's your definition of success to all the people? And I was thinking about it. And my definition of success is to find your passion, I think. Mm. To find your passion and excel at it. Become a master at your craft. Mm. And keep going from there. Mm-hmm. I think... Uh, People are really good at things that they do because they do them all the time. Mm-hmm. There's no like secret formula or anything. Right. You're just good at it because you do a lot of it. And yeah. that's good. And you're passionate about it. That's the other half. And I think success is just loving what you're doing, being passionate and respectful for what you're doing. Yeah. Sounds good to me. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. What is going to be going through your mind as you drop into your first <laughs> run at the Olympics? Most likely just utter focus. <laughs> I'm just gonna go out there and ski and have my, do my best and have a blast doing it. Just enjoy the moment and then um, ski my Are there off. certain things, like, is there something you think about? Like, is there one thing you think about or is there nothing you think about? Or, um, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, what gets you through it? Yeah. I think this is going to sound bad, but what makes me get through it is I think, okay, there's only two hours left. Right? <laughs> <laughs> two hours that that's I can sleep. That's awesome. That's so awesome because that's like the reality. Oh, God. It is such the reality. Yeah. Like, and um, it also shows people, um, there's this quote out there that I've been talking to other people about on this podcast. Um, if you do what you love, you'll never have to work a day in your life. Yeah. And I actually think that's complete bullshit. I think that it's true. Like if you do what you love, you're loving what you're doing, but you're working a million times harder because it's what you love. Right. And only you know what you're capable of doing. Okay. And it it kind of goes in line with what you just said. If you're at the top of the Olympics, Olympic pipe, and you're saying, I only have two more hours left, like, that's real. That's real because it's so intense. And I don't think that intensity comes when you are doing something that you don't love. And so I think that's where, like, that, it's kind of this razor edge of, yes, you are doing what you love, so it doesn't feel like work, but at the same time, you're, like laying your heart and soul and blood, sweat and tears like out on the line for everyone to see. And that's re- that's like the hardest thing anyone can do. It's a lot of work. I agree. I think it's a lot of work. So you're telling yourself two hours left. <laughs> <laughs> There's just two hours left, chow, and then you can just get in a hot shower, chill, read, watch a movie. <laughs> awesome. What about fear? Do you feel like you face fear on a daily basis what are your thoughts around fear i used to think i face fear every day skiing in the half pipe but um that was because i was underprepared Mm. it is the truth like 
now that I jumped on the trampoline five days a week, I'm not as scared because I've done the rotations. I feel comfortable. Uh, and uh, So it comes back to preparation. Yeah, I don't think I have the deal with fear anymore. I think I'm ready. I'm just happy to be there. And yes, <laughs> that sounds really good. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> We've talked about some pretty big lessons that you've learned throughout the years. What advice would do you know now that you would go back and tell younger Alex? Younger Alex, oh, I would tell him to believe more. Absolutely. I was always on the teetering edge of, oh, what if this happens? What if that happens? You just can't do that. Just believe in whatever it is that you are doing. Whether people are telling you it's wrong or not, it comes back to just be yourself. Like whatever works for you. You know, they tell you. Be yourself and believe in yourself. Be yourself, believe in yourself. You know, people were telling me, oh, don't take a hot shower before you compete because uh, that burns out your electrolytes or something. (laughs) And people would tell me all kinds of little things like that. And I wouldn't do it. Now, I take the hottest shower I could ever possibly take before any competition. Why? Maybe it burns out my electrolytes, but it works for me. Mm. And I'm going out there and I feel hot. It's great. Just little things like that. That was The Art of Living Extraordinarily, defined by Alex Ferreira. A fresh face in the upcoming Winter Olympics whose motto is, love all, trust few, paddle your own canoe. If you'd like to continue following Alex as he goes for the gold in Pyeongchang, South Korea, he is Alex underscore Ferreira 3 on Instagram and Twitter. That's A-L-E-X underscore F-E-R-R-E-I-R-A 3 on Instagram and Twitter and Alex Ferreira on Facebook. If you like what you heard today, please click subscribe and be sure to rate us on iTunes. I also would love to read your comments too. Thanks so much for listening and I'll see you next time.